bow down Lord and we pray by your spirit you'd help us to confess that you are Lord to broadcast it with our lives and our words that many would know of your Lordship and your love through what we say and what we do and who we are. I pray that your Holy Spirit might this morning, in these unusual and unique moments, we get to think about your vision for us together as a church. You might help us to see buildings that aren't yet built and congregations that aren't yet started, that you might help us to see baptisms of people who have not yet heard communities change that have not yet been penetrated, that you might help us see your future and be blessed as we follow your instructions. So I pray this now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Please do uh, take a seat this morning. And as I say, a really warm welcome to you to church this morning. It's great to have you in church. Um, we all love good news, don't we? I want, I want to start with this and, and make it very clear that everything we talk about in terms of vision and where God might be taking us and what our church is about, everything is predicated on simply wanting to create many, many, many environments in which people get to meet Jesus and have every opportunity to see him as good and as great as he truly is and trust and follow him. Uh, because that is good news, isn't it? It's wonderful good news. I think I've told some of you before uh, about each time we've had a child, every single one of the maternity wards where one of our children has been born, and one was born overseas, two down south in the UK, and one here in Stafford, and every one of those three maternity wards, there was no mobile phone reception. Now surely that's a must when babies are being born. And so for each one of them, you would have found me, normally in the dead of winter, freezing cold, once in snow, standing outside with three or four other chaps, looking equally tired and kind of, you know, whoa, what's just happened to my life? I've just, you know, something massive has happened. Standing up, wafting our mobile phones around, desperately trying to get signal to pass on the good news. Because we love good news. When there's good news to tell, we want people to know about it, don't we? It's like if you walk out of court and the judge has finally signed off on those final papers and the adoption is finalised. Nothing can take away the treasure of your life from you. She's in your family. She's there. That is good news. And you want people to know about that good news, don't you? Or perhaps exam results. Some of us have lived through that. We're teachers and we scrabbled back to school in the middle of the summer holidays to find out how our kids had done. Or we're parents and our teenagers had GCSEs or A-level results. And you're longing to see whether they've got the grades to get onto the apprenticeship. And when she has, you tell people, don't you? The grandparents and the friends and the neighbours. And if they've done very, very well, the Daily Mail gets hold of it. Good news gets spread, doesn't it? We love good news. Or perhaps, as I remember so clearly once, walking across this park, minding my own business, and across on the other side of the park, I could see this young couple, a guy and a girl. And he got up from the, got up from the park bench where he was, and he went down on one knee, so you knew what was happening, didn't you? Yes? And lifted up his little velvet 
velvet box, that gleam of diamond there. And I couldn't hear what his words were, but I could, I could see them from his lips as he said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And they leapt up and he fist bumped this little thing like this. And then do you know what they did? They took a selfie with the ring because that's the world we live in because they wanted their friends to know. People love good news. There is no greater good news than the news about Jesus. Mark begins his account of Jesus' life, eyewitness account. He says this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus. And the word there he translated good literally means momentous, massive, huge. It's not just good like it makes you smile, but it changes your life. It's exactly like having a baby. Have you been there? Your life wasn't the same again, was it? Yeah, you discovered wet wipes. Now they're amazing. But other things change as well, don't they? It's momentous news, the great good news of Jesus. Everything we are about as a church is glorifying Jesus, making much of Jesus so that people have an opportunity to trust and follow him. We are not about building a church. We're not about logos or egos or names. I was delighted a couple of weeks ago when someone new to our church had had a great experience. I was pleased about that. And as they left, they were telling me they're going to tell their, their work colleagues on Monday morning all about the church they'd been to and invite them next week. And as they walked out, they looked behind over their shoulder and said, what's your church called again? I was like, win. That's brilliant. I told them I'm not going to tell you. I don't want you talking about our church. Go and tell your friends about how you met Jesus in a building. I don't mind that, but make the name of Jesus the name you're talking about, not the name of Beacon Church. They actually then sidled back in, I saw five minutes later, and they talked to someone else, and I overheard them ask someone else. Yeah. But it's important, this good news is so important, that it's vital that we understand exactly how Jesus wants us to broadcast it, isn't it? So we know where he is taking us and what is our responsibility and our privilege as one of many fantastic churches in Stafford. We love the other churches in Stafford. It's brilliant. There's so many of us. But what is our particular privilege? What are we called to, to play our part in God's kingdom of heralding this great good news of who Jesus is so people get to trust him? And that's where this sentence, uh, Proverbs 29, 18 is so helpful for us from the Bible, God's wisdom. Without vision, people perish, but blessed is the one who follows God's instructions. Different translations have it slightly differently. Proverbs 29, 18. Without vision, people perish, but blessed is the one who follows God's instruction. The the word vision there literally means a God-given image that terrifies you. Not your own ability to see her horizon, but a God-given horizon so big in its grandeur it terrifies you. It's actually a word originally used to describe a rabbit nibbling away happily in the grass who suddenly sees the circling hawk above it. That's a terrifying vision, isn't it, for that little old rabbit, Peter Rabbit, about to be lunch. That's the word here. And the word perish, or uh, your translation might say something like lose restraint, literally means to waste our energy in directionless franticness. That without a clear sight of where God is taking us, the risk is we waste our energy constantly frantic but never going anywhere. Like treadmills. What are you doing? Yeah. 
We need to see where God wants us to go if we're not to waste all our energy just frantically exhausting ourselves but never really getting to where God wants us to be. And as I said earlier, just to pull into a lay-by for a moment, as I said earlier, I'm fully convicted that that is true, not just for our collective vision as a church, but for our individual lives as well. Do you know what your marriage is about? Have you sought God's instruction from the Bible so you know why you are married? Why are you a parent? What does it mean to raise your children? What's the purpose of having children? Do you know the answer to that question from God's word? And those two things, we've got a marriage course coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got a, a fatherhood course coming up in the spring to answer exactly those kind of questions. What about your money? Why has God given you your money? What's your money for? What's your sex for? Why have you got a sex drive? Why? What's your career for? See, these why questions give you the vision of, of where you're going and therefore you will not perish, you will not waste your life on something as mediocre as success. But you'll give your life to something that really matters. Seek God's wisdom, his instruction. Get the vision, give your life to something that matters. And it is enormously important in our understanding of what it means to together herald the good news of, of Jesus, to see people love him and come to trust him. People like Maudlin, do you remember Maudlin's baptism a month or so ago? Wonderful Maud, 17 years old, the privilege of growing up in a family that loved and knew Jesus as a young woman standing up and talking about her own personal confidence in Jesus. Or, or Vicky, do you remember Vicky a month ago we baptised, who, who never walked into church until April. April was the first time she ever walked into the church. She met Ian at McDonald's, where they worked together. And through Ian's constant lifestyle and then his words, she became persuaded to trust Jesus. And she talked, didn't she, about how Jesus stood alongside her in that most painful moment as one of her best friends died unexpectedly in an accident. Or people like Paul, who... Um, was to be baptised in a couple of weeks' time, but he's a soldier and got deployment orders. Four days' notice, three months in Canada. We'll baptise him nearer Christmas. But Paul, who again had never come into church until we moved to these two morning services, and his, his wife, Siobhan, who loves Jesus, fi finally found a church service that worked for the right time for them to get because of the shift pattern she worked. And he came into church on that first Sunday. We moved to the two services, fell in love with Jesus. There's a soldier and that's the language he uses. Isn't that remarkable? That's what we want to see, isn't it? That's what we want to see. Lives changed by people who talk mostly about Jesus and very little about Beacon Church. So what is our vision as a church? Now, for many of us, I'm rehearsing what you already know, and that's good. That's how it should be. It's our collective agreed sense of where God is taking us. It's 20 churches by 2020 and 50 by 2030 to be used by God to catalyze 20 new congregations, new churches, whatever you want to call them, by 2020 and 50 by 2030. We've got to eight, five in the last four years. We're up to eight. But churches which... A wonderful, fantastic Jesus-exalting places. 
Churches which live out our values, they, they love people. Everyone feels like they can belong and are cared for and meet Jesus in his grace and his goodness. Churches that are courageous and audacious in following Jesus' call, gutsy and risk-taking, trying to reach people who have never been reached. Churches that love the Bible, love reform theology, if you like the language, love to know what Jesus has to say through his word. Churches which know that they must have God's spirit if they're ever going to flourish and survive in life and are desperate to be fully freshed, fully freshly filled with God's spirit often and regularly. They're the kind of churches we want to catalyze and plant. Now just to encourage you before we glance forward, last week I had a little think about what God has done this year towards that vision. And it's a really encouraging list. In January, Marsden Grange, the new housing development, started their Monday night, their kernel of a congregation. That was in January that kicked off. In January, we appointed Hannah to take a strategic lead in how we make the most of being one church in releasing people for mission. So more and more of our time is spent on reaching people, not on maintaining the structure of church. Great appointment. In February, Pub Church launched over on the Highfields Estate in the Oxleathers pub and is growing very strongly. They have a whole bunch of events and things coming on soon. In March, we had the first of our Be The Light events across Stafford. Something like 800 people engaged with the Easter story through neighborhood events run by people in the church. We've got another set of material coming out for Halloween, so you can do light parties and (coughs) Halloween stuff with your neighbors and in your schools and wherever it is you live. In April, we reconfigured this building and created what we call, very creatively call, Room 5. I'm sure we could have come up with a better name than that. The Big In Suite. Anyway, in, in April, we moved to two Sunday morning services. We just ran out of space in this building and our commitment to keep congregations less than 100 so we can love each other well and be specific in mission meant let's go to the two Sunday morning congregations. And as I say, Paul's story uh, wonderfully is a story of meeting Jesus through the practical reality that he could get to church at a time that worked in his, in his work schedule. Uh, in May, Marsden Grange launched its brand new toddler group as well to reach young families who are on the Marsden Grange estate. In May as well, Danielle, just at the front here, Danielle led us brilliantly to open up Beacon Books. What a fantastic resource that is. Amazing to be able to resource the churches across Stafford as well as our own with great Christian books. Um, In June, in June was that mind-blowing providence of God in Gimdi in Nepal. There's a whole story there many of us won't know, but this very rural area in Nepal where where God in his providence granted the permission for the first time in half a century for a church to be legally built in there. And then a, a patch of land perfectly located, I mean, perfectly located for that building suddenly became available because the restrictions after the earthquake were lifted on land being able to be sold. And then an individual donor stepped forward with the 20 odd thousand pounds necessary to buy that land and and begin that development all within about 14 days it's not god remarkable and amazing we plant a church in gimdi i can tell you now 18 months ago probably no one in this room knew the word gimdi and god has used us to catalyze and plant a church there and i'll be out there in november meeting the families of the children that we're sponsoring so they can get to school and talking about the medical center that will run out of that building and the um the boarding house that will will be there and how we set those things up uh, so not just in words but in action jesus is made known in that area in july we issued the call to chrissy 
to come and join us as Associate Pastor for Leadership Development, to be an engine fueling our development of leaders to see all these churches planted. And you can pray for the visa process that just ticks along. It's just long and convoluted. And uh, we should see her in December or January time uh, if and as her visa is granted to come over from the States. In July, our first Youth Weekend Away was done. Roberta has done amazing work over the last three years to get that to that point with our teenagers and our young people. In July, we had Big Fun Sunday, the first time all eight of our congregations were invited together into one meeting where you could also invite folk who weren't part of the church to experience that and we had over almost 500 people in this building having a great time and if you're uh, wondering why that was so impactful in the back of the news sheet today you can read a little story of one family's experience of that big fun Sunday event and then in July as well we hosted uh, the first ever growing churches forum that's our national movement have sponsored us to start running a forum discussion forum, if you like, uh, amongst churches that are seeing significant growth and working with leaders to release that kind of growth in other churches in the UK. And we've got that happening again in November and in March um, as well. Amazing stuff, isn't it, since January? Eight, nine months. Does it make your heart beat a little bit faster? Or do you feel like that rabbit who's just glanced the hawk circling and you're a bit like, oh, that's a bit terrifying. Have you ever noticed when you drive your car, just as a brain break, when you drive your car, how, how the rear view mirror is so much smaller than the windscreen? Have you noticed that? I hope so. It's quite an important <laughs> distinction. Yeah. It's because it is important to know what's gone behind you, isn't it? But it's far more important to look forward and see what's coming. So what I want to do before handing over to Chris is, is sketch in the four areas that over the next four months, 120 days, we don't get these days back. You do not get these days back. 120 days to see out this year, over and above everything else ticking along and growing and flourishing, and I hope for one new congregation launched before Christmas, that's just in that, that cauldron of normal. Over and above that, what areas is God calling us to really step change, to really push hard, to arrive on January 1st in a significantly better place than we were on September 10th? 120 days to significantly transform four areas. The first is youth. To push with all our might to create a cauldron of Acts 16 mission dangerous teenagers like Timothy. To become a seedbed, a cauldron which produces young men and women between the ages of 13 and 23 who are mission dangerous, radical, dangerous, irritants for Jesus that make the, the risk taking. And the steps of faith that we take as adults look flaccid and domesticated and caged. The difference between some fat mongrel sitting on a windowsill in the sun and a half-starved lion on the prairies of Africa. You see the difference? We want teenagers in that bracket, don't we? Like Timothy was in Acts 16. In Acts 16, Timothy is 14 years old. And Paul... The great church planter missionary 
turns up as a scarred and gnarled warrior for Jesus. He's already spent two spells in prison for Jesus. And he turns up in Timothy's church and he sees Timothy and he says, you, you come with me. And do you know what Timothy does? Timothy says, yes, please. And do you know what Timothy's mum and dad say? Yes, please. Would you? Would you with your teenager, if you have them? Be thrilled to see them go journeying with a man known to be imprisoned for his faith. That's the cauldron we want to be as a church. A seedbed that sends out boys and girls with parents who want to see their boys and girls sent out into that kind of dangerous mission field. That is legacy, isn't it? Because, friends, it, it might be odd to get your head around that as a parent over a 30-year spell. But over a 10-billion-year spell, that is a great parent. A great parent. And so how are we going to move that forward significantly over 120 days? Well, we're going to create a group of folk. Some will be our teenagers, some will be others, some will be you your heart pounds for this, a group of folk who over the next 120 days are going to pray themselves to a plan. They're going to sweat blood in prayer to come up with God's plan for how we do it, how we make it happen for the young men and women we've got, and the huge bulge of year five, six, and fours, massive bulge of year five, six, and fours we've got coming through, school year five, six, and fours coming through. Now, of course, some of you as parents would go, I'm going to find a nice church. You might not find that here. I mean, that's your call. You're the parent. I'm all for just saying, here's the cards. I struggle, and you know, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not speaking from a non-parenting situation. I have four of them, four young men in the making. I, I, I find it hard to say, make them like Timothy, to pray that prayer. The battle's here. I know the battle. So I'm speaking from the ground I'm calling you to stand on. For that group, though, I would also love to be able to say to that group, that pray, it, pray up a plan group for our young people. I'd love to be able to say to them, come January 1st, we have a financial resource for you here to enable this, to empower this. So I'm wondering if there's 10 or 12 people in, the, in our church who have £100 over and above what you give financially to wherever you give it, there's an additional £100 a month you could give. If 10 or 12 of us did that, that's a half-time youth worker, for example. So that might be something God might prompt in you to, to do. Either be part of the group or give some resource to, to see it birthed. So that's the first of the four, our youth. Push hard to be a cauldron that generates Acts 16 mission-dangerous teenagers just like Timothy was and parents who are like that. Secondly, leaders. That actually over the next 120 days, we want to do some significant work to be positioned to create an invading, escalating tsunami of Jesus-exalting John 3.30 leaders. Women and men who just love Jesus with all of their heart, that Jesus has gifted them in some shape, way or form to be a leader, and they're realizing just the significance of that. I am fully persuaded every single one of us has capacities way beyond we think we really do have, that 
all of us are actually sailing along in relatively comfortable water and there is infinite greater stuff to come for us when it comes to leadership capacity, if you see yourself as a leader in any way, shape or form. But it's what kind of leader? A Jesus-exalting John 3.30 leader. John 3.30 is about John the Baptist himself, a very accomplished leader with quite a big band and a following, a political figure at the time. He knows his stuff as a leader. And in John 3.30, he says, I must decrease so Jesus can increase. I must become small so the full magnitude and might and awesomeness of Jesus might be made known. That's the kind of leaders we want. And over the next 120 days, we want to make significant inroads in that, both within us as a church, which is where Chrissy particularly will help us. That's her skill, her experience, her calling. But also beyond us as a church, this mysterious thing I've called the Growing Churches Forum. I'll, 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 there'll be more about that over the next six months or so. Um, but it's our wider network asking whether we would give time and energy and ideas and conversation into raising leaders within the 2,000 churches that make up the Baptist Union that are ready to be risk-taking, dangerous leaders for Jesus. Danielle came along and helped us out with uh, the conference we hold it, held in July. She wrote an article which has appeared in, I think, four different places now or something. So I'll get copies and you can sign it for us all and we'll sell it on eBay for loads of money. But one of my favorite phrases, the favorite phrase Danielle wrote, I, I absolutely love it. It went something like this. She's talking about the leaders that were gathered in that room She'd heard all of them share their story and talk about their churches. And then she said, they see buildings that have not yet been built. They see congregations that have not yet been planted and they spend money they have not yet got. And I went, amen, sister, amen. That's where we should live. That's the kind of leaders we want to raise up. Third, youth, leaders, the four areas, 120 days. 120 days to make a difference. Youth, leaders, Nepal. So over the next 120 days, four months, we want to see um, some things completed and reach a particular stage when it comes to our work in Nepal. Uh, James 1.27 says, Religion our Father finds pure and blameless is to love widows and orphans in their distress, locally and internationally. So we want to see the new smile home built and complete, or as near complete as it can be. We're still short of about 20 odd thousand pounds to see that through. We have some ideas of how that might be achieved. But also all this work in Gimdi, the land negotiated, the final legal paperwork done, even the build commenced before Christmas. I'll be in, I'll be in Gimdi for about 10 days uh, in November. Um, I'll be meeting all the families of those children. I think it's almost 30 children now that we're sponsoring to get an education up in Gimdi. Uh, conversations with a medical outpost centre that might resource the medical centre, negotiating land, all sorts of other bits, bits and pieces. We want to see that brought to a point of significant completion over 120 days. So that's a big chunk of my time that Chris and Lawrence, our elders, have, have said, yeah, Alex, that's a good use of your time to go do that for 10 days. And then lastly, fourthly, is prayer. That actually over the next 120 days, the one massive marker that needs to be in our life as a church is audacious, resounding, outrageous Ephesians 3.20 prayer. Ephesians 3.20 talks about God doing immeasurably more than we dare to even ask or imagine. I think I have quite a good imagination. Some of you have a better imagination. 
I think I am able, and Chris and Lawrence definitely are, to see things beyond where we are right now. And yet there it says, God will do immeasurably, immeasurably more than we would dare ask or imagine. And so I want a prayer life in our church that is audacious and outrageous. Because God seems to have said, look, if you pray there, I'll deliver there. If you pray there, I'll deliver there. How else can you take that verse? He will do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. He's saying you set the floor by what you ask and imagine and I'll, I'll deliver above it. So what's our job? Let's put a mezzanine floor in. Yeah. yeah, let's build a skyscraper and stand on the helipad. Because he said, as high as you can pray and imagine and ask, immeasurably more. So I'm praying for Gimdi in absolute awe that, that we're going to be used by God to plant a church in a place that in 2,000 years has never, ever had a Jesus presence. And I'm daring to pray that that will be the hub for planting churches in all six of the surrounding areas around Gimdi. That's an area about the size of Wales, never reach for Jesus. Because I think, I believe that verse. What you dare ask or imagine, I'll do immeasurably more. I'm daring to pray that if he's using us as a church, little old church in Stafford, uh, to plant a church in Gimdi, to catalyze, to serve a church in why not pray for some other continents in the world? Why not pray little old church in Stafford, whether it's us or we're dead in our graves and it's the next generation, is used to catalyze a church in an unreached place in Africa, in South America, in the Antarctic? Why not? Why not? Why not? Anyone? Why not? There's no answer to that, is there? Why not? And I sometimes think if he did it through us, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Imagine if he did it through our children. When I was in year four, I won the boys' sprint. I was quite happy. When Isaac was in year four, he won the boys' sprint. Oh, yes! I was so much, so much more joy. His victory than mine. So I think if Jesus does it through me, I'm going to be happy. But imagine if he does it through the next generation and I prayed it into life. God, it'd be good, wouldn't it? So to help that, we've got a bunch of prayer meetings coming up. Friday, this Friday night, September 15th a prayer and praise night here. October 5th, a day where we're going to call the whole church to fast and then meet together in the evening, break our fast together with a meal and pray that evening. October 15th, the Sunday evening service down at Sandon Road will be given over to prayer. And then in the back half of the year, there'll be dates and activities to pray for Marsden Grange, Highfields, and also this building here and all the work that goes on here. Six or seven opportunities to pray Ephesians 3.20 prayer. And I know some of us, I'm including me here, come from a church tradition. My first church experience at 21 was in a church where you'd never raise your voice like I've just done. Yeah? But it was also in a church where, where praying was wonderful and rich and, and verbose, but fairly achievable. Fairly achievable. 
We're not called to pray achievable prayers. That's called a pep talk. Yeah? We're called to pray outrageous Ephesians 3, 20 prayers. That he will do immeasurably more than we dare ask or imagine. So youth, leaders, Nepal, and prayer. I'm going to ask you to turn to someone you're with, if you're with someone, if you'd like to. If, you, if that's not your thing, that's absolutely fine. But if you're able to, turn to someone nearby. And just for a minute or two, share with them what most encourages you about what we've just talked about. What most inspires you and or what makes you feel like that rabbit, slightly terrified by what you see happening. Okay, two minutes, go. And then Chris is going to pick up.